Hello and welcome to another new episode of Two Player Bros with Mike. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mike. Yeah? You're older than me, right? By a month or two? Yeah, like a month and a half? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. shut up, old man. <laughs> uh, welcome to Post Game presented by Two Player Bros. Today we are going to dive deep into The Last of Us Remastered. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. Do you nice. do your thing? Nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dave, I've been playing Man Eater all week, so uh, I did not beat Last of Us. Hey, Mike. Yeah. This uh, podcast is supposed to be a little bit evergreen. I know we're probably going to talk about COVID <laughs> at some point. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about The Last of Us Remastered. But hey, if you played The Last of Us on PS3, I think it's the same ga game, pretty much. Um. Yeah. I mean, just updated textures and the controls are actually different, too. But yeah. Did I shake my old controller to bring the light back on? I don't know about that, but on a P on PS one <laughs> on PS three, the defaults for shooting were R one L one. I thought I thought it was a little. Different. I was okay. getting so confused about why the game felt so much better this time we were, when we were playing. <laughs> and I actually went online. I'm like, did they change the controls? And it's just because PS three defaulted to uh to the front bumpers. Bumpers. <laughs> Obviously, The Last of Us, created by Naughty Dog, came out in 2000 and... You got this. Came out in 2013, the original. <laughs> you and I played it back then. It is... Yep. I remember you had just gotten your PlayStation recently at that point. I had bought my PS3 in anticipation for The Last of Us. Okay. And I was still like, ah, PS3, I don't need it, I don't want it. And then you had me come over and you had me play the first couple chapters of The Last of Us. And as soon as I got home that night, I was like looking at eBay like, I know I can find a PS3. <laughs> I can do this because that's how good The Last of Us is. Ooh. At least when it came out. So I guess we'll start off. We're doing the remaster. We played the original. What did you find other than the left, bump, left and right bumper being your biggest changes to the game or surprises to the game that you maybe don't remember from the original? Um... I would say over the past seven years, I've definitely put some nostalgia goggles on when thinking about the last of us. I mean, I remember playing it originally and not being in love with like the controls and everything. Um, and just the gameplay in general, isn't the greatest. <laughs> um, but over time, it's always been like, no, that is, one of the best games ever made. That is one of the best games ever made in the back of my head. Replaying it, all the faults of the game really popped up all on the gameplay side. Um, just like the clunky puzzles and clunky movements in general uh, were the, I guess the thing that were like in the forefront of my mind while I was playing like, whoa, this is kind of garbage. <laughs> Still loved it, by the way. I had pretty much the same thought and I don't remember Ellie getting in my way as much as she did. And it's only a couple times, but when they get in your way, it's like, I just break the, break the fourth wall or whatever. Let me move through her, get her out of my face. I only had one incident in the entire game where she got in my way and it actually saved me because she was blocking off a doorway and there was a guard just walking into her. <laughs> and obviously the guards don't get, uh, Ellie doesn't detect the guards. Right. Which is good. I like that. So the guard is trying to walk into the room to investigate and he's just literally bumping into Ellie right in front of me. <laughs> And he just can't get in and eventually he turned around. <laughs> I just had a bunch of parts where I was like, move, move, move. I got to shoot this guy, move. Uh, <laughs> and I got flanked. <laughs> and 
And I, I don't think I died at all because of her, but it's just been annoying. Like, move. Let's get out of my way. Yeah, she was she was never in my way. Oh, she's been in my way. She was in my way a couple of times. Which, as soon as it happened, I vaguely recalled in the last game, but it didn't upset me as much as in this game. But I agree with you with the controls. I also found upgrading your character, not the weapons themselves, that was very useful, but the character themselves, I didn't find that really mattered much. The the main one, obviously, the gun swaying mattered a ton. And as soon as I got enough upgrades, I was like, this is getting solved right now. Yeah, Because gun swaying at the beginning of the game was atrocious. Yeah, it's really bad to start. That was the first thing I went into as well, that and then listening skill. I think I did one listening skill. And two swaying, and that was it. Actually, oh, one max health. That was it. Is there a melee one in there too? There's a shiv one. I don't know if there's there's shiv yeah. master, but I went with shiv master first. Actually, then I went weapon swaying. Oh, I didn't shiv anybody. That's weird. Why do we do weird things in games? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't find the need to shiv anybody. Everybody gets shivved, Mike. That <laughs> <laughs> was all about bashing heads against lockers. Yeah, that's I cool. was I was real melee in this game. <laughs> then why weren't you shipping? Because <laughs> I was I was all about those bats and those axes and the pipes. The melee in this game is still as much as I dislike a lot of the gameplay. The melee, like the brute force of it, is just <laughs> so good. And I was, I was watching the. Did you watch the Last of Us doc? I know you said you were thinking about. I watched about it. half of it. Yeah, but they were just talking about the reason that the melee is so forceful because they were literally trying to like cheat their way out of animations um, <laughs> because it was, there was like an awkward flow to when they'd punch someone and they'd end up in like a certain state. Then you go to punch them again and it would kind of like just look awkward and unresponsive. So instead they actually like did like a zero frame animation skip and then add a nice big impact to it. Ugh. And that's why it like feels so bonk when you I punch someone. It. It's so great. I love punch people. I mean, they do fly sometimes a little ridiculously. But I'm okay with doesn't, that too. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Man, the amount of brains that I've splattered across lockers and cars and walls is just, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Every time it happens, I'm like, oh, oh shit, Joel. <laughs> and Ellie's response. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> and that's not to say the melee is really good because the melee system itself is just hit square a oh, bunch of times and try to. Oh, yeah. It's super basic. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. Like, the best thing I didn't even realize it. I played this game once when it came out and I said, mm-hmm. I'm never going to play this game again until we did this. Now, yeah. I said, okay, I guess I'll play it again. <laughs> um, and then after I beat it this time, I played through up till Pittsburgh again on survivor mode, just because I wanted to try it out without the uh, listening mode. That's nuts. It's actually way better without listening mode. I'm probably not going to keep playing it, but <laughs> It's so much more tense without listening mode because I just keep that shit pulled the whole time. Um, But what I didn't realize until my third playthrough now is if you punch someone and they go down to one knee, if you pull your gun out right then, it's like an insta lock on their head. So you can just punch them once and then pop them right in the head and it's a a quick kill. And it's so satisfying. Um, And then I didn't realize until my second playthrough, when you grab someone from behind, they don't give you a prompt. But you can body shield that guy and shoot. Oh, yeah. You didn't know. I always I, used to do that. I had no idea. It's the best because they don't want to shoot. They won't shoot him until you shoot first. No, I, I had no idea that was the case. I don't even care about the body shield. I care about once you 
take him as a body shield and pull the trigger and you blow their brains up. I was like, the first time it happened by accident. And I was just like, holy shit. You're like, keep calm, guy. Everything's going to be okay as long. Oh, oh. dude, it, it was so, I feel dirty saying it, but it was so satisfying to blow their brains out. And towards the end of the game, when things get like real heated and you're in the, the escape at the end, we'll talk about it in a yep. little bit. I've been trying to keep the, the spoilers, spoilers and everything the separate, <laughs> not towards the end, but with the story and the characters, gotcha. this is just gameplay, but towards the end when everything's like super dramatic and you're on like your, your rampage, essentially it, it was just so satisfying to sneak up behind someone, grab them, blow their brains out, shoot someone like <laughs> so good. <laughs> if it, if the gameplay was just that I would be happy. Like I'd be so much more happy. But again, the clunky movements aren't great. And then we haven't talked yet about the like the puzzles shouldn't exist. They're so useless, like the ladder puzzles and the pallet puzzles. I like that they're not more difficult because that would really frustrate me. But the at the end, before that rampage that Joel goes on, there's a, there's one final puzzle that just takes like it's so simple. It takes forever to get to. And just it's a slog. You're talking about the one where it breaks and then you use it as a bridge and right. you have to go back. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much slog. That's actually the only one where I was like, oh, okay, they actually did something new with this format. Cause it it felt like they took the six of them you did earlier and said, Okay, well, you did this in the last one, and you it kind of like puts a it couple of them added, together. Yeah. But it was all the way at the end. So I was like, who cares? <laughs> well, because that's the only one that like felt a little bit different. All the other ones are so like me <laughs> what did you like fighting better the humans or the infected um liked fighting better what did you enjoy more when you were when you were doing combat what did you enjoy going up against more well like the the infected aren't really an enemy type they're just i mean they are but they're just obstacles you know they're you just kind of sneak around and it's just like okay well i have to throw a brick over there or shiv that one or Molotov cocktail that one. You never really, you fight them. Like, I mean, you engage in violence with them, but other than like (laughs) two or three moments, you're always the aggressor in those situations. It's always you being violent to them. You know, (laughs) they're just puppets that you beat up on. (laughs) Um, So the, the humans are definitely a more compelling enemy than, than the infected in my opinion. I also agree. I found the humans to be interesting. The, the the points in the game, I like that the infected are used as the stealth moments, but the moments in the game, especially when you're with Bill in, in Pittsburgh, and... Uh, no. Where's Bill? Oh, Bill's outside Bill's, of Pittsburgh. Bill's, no, he's outside of Boston. He's in his own little town. Okay. But the, the part where the infected come out at you and rush you at the high school and right before the high school and you have to kill them, I, I didn't really enjoy those moments. I found them like... The infected A are really easy to melee, uh, really fun because their brains explode, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is kind of annoying. And then most of it's just stealth or nothing. And so when they gave me those action moments, I felt, eh, give me more human versus human moments. Yeah. I wish there was a little more human to human, but yeah, you have that scene outside the school. You have pushing the car. Mm-hmm. They'll attack you. There's the generator in the hotel. Yep. Which is basically a boss fight. How? Well, because that's you're fighting one of the bloaters, right? Do I fight a bloater down there? Mm-hmm. 
when I'm trying to start the generator? When you start the generator in the basement of the hotel, a bloater comes out. Yeah. Oh, I must have just fucked him up. I died a couple <laughs> times, and then be, after that, I was like, you know, screw this, and I put two nail bombs in the doorways leading up to the generator, and every time I just heard, poof, poof, poof. No more, no more bloater. Yeah, I'm just Molotov cocktails out the wazoo. That was, <laughs> that was my weapon of choice in this game. I only threw one Molotov toward the beginning, and after that, I was mostly nail bombs, because the last time I played this, I remember using a ton of Molotovs, and I was just like, you know what, this game... I'm going to use those nail bombs. Watch them burn, Mike. <laughs> Let them burn. <sighs> but yeah, the, the better parts of the gameplay are the moments in between the combat sequences when you're just kind of like walking around and like admiring the city or the, the scenes or like finding collectibles and that kind of stuff. Like the collectibles in this game are, are great. Like, it's such like a realized world, you know? Yep. Like it feels like a real place. It feels true. Of all the notes, I love the, the dog tags and the fireflies. And I love that it's got so many collectibles, but it's not an quote unquote open world. Like I'm not running for five minutes to get to this one little corner to get to something. It's within my path, you know, maybe a tiny bit out of the way, but it's not really hindering my story progression. Which is something I love about Naughty Dog because I love that in the Uncharted games as well. You know, those games could be huge and expansive and open world, but instead they're telling a story like a movie and so is The Last of Us. It's keeping you on track, which you and I always talk about how not everything needs to be open world and we like those story-driven games. You know, I love Red Dead and I love Grand Theft Auto, but there's something to be said about The Last of Us where it's what? Oh, 10 hours? Maybe less? Probably less. Um... I don't I don't ever really keep track of how long I'm playing a game for like that. Neither you know? do I. I'm guessing it was probably about twelve hours, but I, I don't really know for sure. We're got a tight story. I mean, it, it it's a quick twelve <laughs> if it if it is twelve. Because <laughs> it just blows by. Like I feel like I beat the game in three sittings. I'll tell you one thing I really loved about this version, and I don't remember if the PS3 version did. They probably did, and I'm not remembering correctly is the the voice recorders and the voice coming out of the controller. I was, I don't remember that either. And I hated it. See, I like it. I like subtle uses of the voice in the PlayStation controller. Freaked me out. Don't want it. (laughs) No need. It was so loud. I'm like, oh my God, can Mike hear this from downstairs? (laughs) I always really enjoy that. I like when, I mean, not every PlayStation game does it well, but I, I really like the way that The Last of Us used it. Uh, what weapon did you use the most in the game? I guess the revolver and uh, the shotgun. Yeah, I mean, I was probably, it's probably based on like what ammo is most plentiful. Yeah. At the end of the game, I had no regular nine millimeter ammo left. I had two bullets, and that was it. They did a they did a really good job at that. At least I played on normal originally. So did I. Yep. Um, There's always just enough ammo for me to get by. Like I I didn't feel like they were uh, too jipping me on it. I also didn't feel like I was like free to rampage. Yeah. There was a really nice balance of, okay, I should really check all these drawers because I could definitely use a few more shots. Like I was almost always out of rifle ammo or out of about to be out of shotgun ammo. Um, all the handguns, I felt like I was pretty good on most of the time. I guess you have the nine millimeter and the revolver. So they're the interchangeable Python or whatever that is. Oh, the, the, the scope, the sniper. Pistol, yeah. I use cool. that a lot toward the end of the game. 
I, I gave very little play to that one. The one I used least was probably the flamethrower. And I, I really should have used it more because I love to watch things burn. <laughs> I used it zero times this game. Did you use it a lot the first time you played? The first time I played, I, that's how I got through the final uh, infected section. And this time I was just like... That's the, the tunnels leading the, up to the hospital? Yeah. And I was just like, eh. I tried, I tried to be more stealthy. And so I tried not to use it as much. But I ended up using all my bow a little bit in the subway tunnel, but I tried not to kill everybody. During my first playthrough, when I way back when I feel like the bow was like my, my go-to this time. I very rarely used it. I was going to bring that up. That's one of my complaints about the game. That's one of the things I think playing this the second time really shaded my opinion on the game because like use it when I first played the game, I used the bow and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I thought it was great. But now after playing games like tomb Raider and horizon zero dawn and any survival game ever it's just like so many bow and arrow games have been better than this one and probably because they've taken a bit off of how the last of us handled it but this time i felt like the bow and arrow kind of sucked compared to the first time i played it i really didn't even give it a chance this game (laughs) i was just like no i've used that a lot so i skipped it um but yeah, there's definitely a lot of games where the bow feels better. I would definitely agree yeah. with you there. Like I upgraded it all the way because I was like, there's something wrong because I loved this thing back in the day. So I upgraded every part of it and then I tried to use it still. I'm like, this kind of blows <laughs> and no one stands still. Everyone's like, especially the infected, the uh, clickers, their heads just keep bobbing all the time. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I do like the system of getting your bow back if you do a headshot, if you do a one hit kill. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't, your bow breaks. I, I like being rewarded for arrow breaks. Arrow breaks. Yeah. I like being rewarded for the better kills. I think yeah, that's cool. Your bow breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I probably used the shotgun more. And I used the rifle more than I did last game. I don't remember using the rifle much at all. And the first time I played it this time, I've used it a lot. Hmm. And nail bombs. I love nail bombs now. <laughs> I never used the smoke bombs. Like when I say never, I mean like I never used the smoke bombs. There I don't... were smoke bombs. Yeah. Yeah. I never used them. <laughs> <laughs> Never once used it, so I don't really know how they were, but I'm guessing they made smoke. <laughs> but smoke doesn't burn things. <laughs> I loved using the uh, the bricks, too, that you find on the floor to throw at people. I love when you had it in your hand and you used it to just smash people over the head. I was, a, I was more of a bottle guy. I usually pick bottle over brick. I was all brick over bottle. Now, is there a difference between them other than the impact? Like I know is bottle louder, but brick is, does brick kill faster than a bottle or something? I don't know. Brick is definitely more satisfying. <laughs> brick definitely has more thud. <laughs> I'll go back in that game and try to reboot it just to do one brick kit. <laughs> try try it out. No, go back into that game and try it on Survivor. It's very scary. I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Without being able to pull my my left trigger and sneak around, listen to things. It's so much more tense. Like I spent so much time in listen mode and I was trying hard not to, but I just, if there were, if there was anything around, I was holding listening mode and I'm, I don't like listening modes. (laughs) Like Batman did a cool job with it. Any other game shouldn't have it. (laughs) Batman makes sense. In this one, you're just a dude with questionable medical conditions. Probably. (laughs) Putting his ear against the wall. Yeah, he's exactly there not doing even, this. Not even against the wall, Mike. You just walk around holding it and you have echolocation, apparently. That guy's got, got a helmet and a assault rifle and he's ducking behind that crate facing left. 
yeah, it's it's really weird how specific <laughs> it is. I'd have been okay if it was like you listened in and you saw dots, maybe. Yeah, I was playing um Crucible, the new Amazon game that came out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like when you scan the area, you just get like little red dots of where everyone is. And if you focus on those areas, you'll then get an outline. But at first it's just like we have readings in these spots. <laughs> so something like that would have been cool if it was just like general idea. I would have yeah. li- I would have liked more like a maybe just some sort of like color scheme like that indicated there are people in that quadrant or you know like a general idea yeah just like let me know the direction that the people are but don't actually let me see them you know like real ears because (laughs) like real ears exactly because it does kind of undercut how terrifying like the clickers are because you hear the clicker going and if you're not in listen mode you're like they got it somewhere (laughs) where is it (laughs) but then you hit listen mode you're like oh it's over there okay (laughs) the clickers are the only terrifying bad guy in the game i mean the bloaters are kind of scary because they're tough but yeah when there are clickers around you know you're gonna die at least once not if you're a pro gamer with molotov cocktails (laughs) (laughs) but at first like up until up through honestly i died very little in this game i would say up until the school i died a lot to clickers (laughs) like i hated clickers but after that i felt like i was pretty much good to go like once i was ready for everything once I kept listening mode held down the whole time. <laughs> I would say toward the end of the game, I died a lot less, but every, I would say maybe uh, like, a, like a single handful of times I died to something other than a clicker. Everything else was always clicker. Maybe a couple bloaters, but it was almost always a clicker ripping open my jaw. There's only like what three bloaters in the game. I maybe there's more because it sounds like you fight one in the next to the generator that I don't even know. <laughs> there's one in the college for sure. Yeah, you fight one there's well, there's the first one in the school, one yep. in the college, one in the tunnels, and then you're saying there's one at the generator, which I wasn't sure about. Are one there any the other generator. ones? There's two with the there's two in the tunnels, actually. Okay, I'll believe you. And they're right next to her. Actually, there's three in the tunnels. One at the entrance to the tunnels, and then one toward the end of the tunnels. There's two kind of joking around. Well, not a joke. Bloaters don't joke around. They, like, joke around. they take shit seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a very small amount of bloaters. Yeah. But I would say at the school, I got bloated up pretty good. Because I wasn't on that nail bomb game yet. I'm telling you, he breaks those doors open. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> when do you get the nail bomb? Is that? I think you've probably already got it by the time you face the first bloater and I just never used it. Uh, yeah, Bill Bill teaches you how to use it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right before the school, he, he goes, hey, why don't you take a look at this? And he makes it. Then they want you to throw it. And I'm like, I'm not wasting a nail bomb. No, it's a perfect good nail bomb. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just put it down and pick it up. <laughs> uh, the one thing I did seem to notice, and I'm going to bring up left behind a little bit, is I thought the clicker's response to your movement was way more extreme playing left behind than I did the actual main game. Um, I don't know if you felt the same thing, but there was a certain amount of push I could do on my joystick while ducking in the main game that I had like down pat. And in this one, no matter how far away the clickers were, they always heard me no matter how slow I was crawling. I didn't notice that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know in left behind, there was way more like debris on the ground. Like there's like broken bottles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were just more prone to walking over that. 
Maybe. Cause I, felt, I don't know. I do feel like in the regular game, there wasn't as much of that. I feel like you were just more, I guess. So yeah, I think you were more quiet in the regular game. I think it is just like the debris on the ground and stuff in, in the, in the, in the mall. Mall. <laughs> mall is the word I'm looking for. Well, fuck that debris. It got a little girl killed. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to bring up gameplay wise? I do wish that the face mask portions had more of an impact on gameplay. I thought I they were weird. I, for those moments, I thought they were useless to the game. It was completely supposed to be just like to make it feel more immersive for you, right? Like that's the only I reason they're there. Because so, it had no gameplay aspect to it. At, and I know I was just talking about. Well, I know at the beginning of this podcast, I said we have to keep this evergreen, but in the current state of the pandemic, <laughs> where I have to wear a face mask all the time, like I'm walking, I take the train to work. So, you know, I'm, I walk to and from the train station mm-hmm. and anytime someone walks by, like I throw my mask on, I get so nervous and I, I throw it on. <laughs> I'm just so confused about the spores because like. If he's like, oh, there are spores here. I should put my mask on. Doesn't that mean you would have breathed all these spores in? Like, what's going on here? Every time. And he takes his mask off as soon as he leaves the room that had spores. Guess the spores are gone. Keep it on. Keep it on for at least another hundred yards, dude. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've seen diagrams of, like, people sneezing <laughs> and the path that that mucus takes. I'm pretty sure in the beginning of the game, he's in the spore room and he goes, oh man, spores. And he puts his mask over his face <laughs> while got, in the room with spores. He got spores here. <laughs> and it's just like, I would have liked, I don't know. I, I, I don't, you don't need to get like division complicated where certain areas need better masks or whatever, but maybe a timer to make it, you have to get through this area quicker. Timer would make sense or just don't have those areas. I don't know. Yeah. Or just always wear a face mask. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't get what decides whether you're infected are going to become spore guys and become pieces of wall furniture or become bloaters or skeletons. It's very unclear on the evolution of the infected. Really? The ones that are lucky enough become the bloaters. I I don't know. I thought it was pretty clear. Break it down for me then, Dave. Well, you start out as a runner. Yep, runner. And... As the infection takes over, then you become not Shrieker. I thought it was Shrieker. Is it Shrieker? I think it's Shrieker. Okay, I was going to say Screecher, but that's whatever it is. It works. (laughs) You're still pretty human. Then you become a Clicker. Mm -hmm. And then my understanding from there... Well, I guess... Okay, so that's the one part that you don't know about? Yeah, because then some of the Clickers or even Screamers are against the wall turned into fungus. Like, they were unlucky enough to... I just, I guess I just assumed those ones would just be unfortunate enough to be murdered and then they just turn into fungus after they're dead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either, actually. I, I didn't really think much of it. I want to know. Like the, the clickers you find up against the wall, I just assumed were unsuccessful at finding food, finding and food and sustenance. Yeah. And then the ones that did became bloaters the ones that were able to feed i guess that logic check so if they're able to stay mobile and feed they become bloaters if not then they attach to a wall and just live as a mushroom i'm okay with that well they don't even live as a mushroom right like they're they just become a mushroom (laughs) okay yeah they live as a mushroom fungus inside of them yeah i mean you wouldn't say like 
if I go poop in my yard and the mushroom grows out, <laughs> you're not going to say my, my poop lives on as a mushroom. Your poop lives I guess, on, David. I guess in some sense you might. The one thing that I, I kept drawing comparisons to a lot of the game, because you bring up the pandemic, and I kept drawing a lot of comparisons to like the the, the way we would deal with COVID and the, the quarantine and stuff. But when I played the first time, obviously that didn't happen. So I, everything I had in my brain during that last game, and I think it creeped me out more the first time I played, was that fungus that sneaks into ants' brains in the rainforest and brings them up a tree and then pops out their brain. Like, I think that was scarier than comparing it to our current crisis. And I don't know why. I think the idea of it being a fungus-based thing is really scary. To, like, really creeps me out. What's the difference? Well, I think this time when I was playing it, that was in the back of my mind. The forefront of my mind was more on how the humans were handling everything. So I, I don't think there is a necessarily a difference. But that my mind was more on, oh, quarantine zones, like how we have to stay at home orders and how would they actually have dealt with that when it gets way out of hand? And what if this was like a mutating flesh eating zombie disease? Whereas in the last game, I could care less about any of that stuff. My focus was on there's mushrooms going out of these people's heads. They were driven insane. Like, is there anybody in there? Wait, so which not? which one did you consider? You're saying you thought it was more scary the first time you played it? More scary the first time I played it, thinking more about the thinking more on the fact that it was a fungus controlling a brain then this time just thinking about more about the political this time it was more about the political parts than the last one was more like body horror joel take that face mask off <laughs> uh i'm that's weird to me because i definitely found it more like it it drove my anxiety up playing it this time more than it did last time i played it just because it's more relatable now i think I suppose. Um, yeah. Like, but it's also a really like in the, there's no way at some point in the past three months, you haven't taken a second and said, what the fuck would I do if everything just broke down? Oh no. I, I, like, I Googled bug out bags. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Every, I'm sure everyone has done some extension of that or some extent of that. Like I'm like, should I own a gun? Should I have an axe? <laughs> so that's like way more. I think it's way more relatable now. Like to think about like how true the last of us could be just as far as like how quickly things can break down, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe because it was so much further into the future. The beginning of the game absolutely was like, Oh shit, this is like three months from now when wave two hits. <laughs> yeah. Like and then, um, what was I going to say? Shit. Oh, and then when we were we were recording a podcast here, mm -hmm. and the power went out that time. Oh yeah, that freaked me out. Like, there's there's no way. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't like, "What if society's ending, Mike?" But I was. <laughs> it was in the back of my head. But at the same time, it was like, "What the?" F it just brought more to the forefront. Like, what the fuck would I do if the power never came back on <laughs> right now? You know. I've got I've got a bag of rice and a couple cans of beans in there, <laughs> but I'm fat, Mike. <laughs> that's like a that's like two days worth of food. <laughs> I'm a very, I walk by a grocery store every day. I I shop very minimally. <laughs> I would die so quick. I'm sorry, dude. That's what it, it is. I, what it is. I'd eat you. <laughs> I mean, you could also just feed me, dick. <laughs> I suppose, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, so no, I, I thought that stuff was way more tense um, for me this time. Cause like normally like when I play like Resident Evil and games like those, like I'm never like, 
what if this happened? <laughs> it's just like, oh, wow, this shit's weird. <laughs> I think because they're zombies, but I think the fact that it's based... I know that um, watching things when the first one came out, that it's based on those ants. Yeah, no. Like, it, every time watching those documentaries, it always kind of was like, oh, what if they learned? Well, no, it, that's exactly what it is. It's not, it's not, oh, these cordyceps are like those. This is what if those cordyceps were able to jump over to humans, you know? Take us over, yep. It's like, you know, right now there's a big thing with uh, chronic wasting disease. Are you, are you aware of that shit? Uh, vaguely, yes. So yeah, like, you know, deers get chronic wasting disease and it's 100% fatal to deers. If mm -hmm. they get chronic wasting disease, they're going to die. So right now in a lot of like the Midwestern states as far or the, you know, in, you know, middle America, you know, like if they shoot a deer in the woods, they have to have it tested for chronic wasting disease. Not because it could jump over to humans right now, but if it does, the fuck happens. I mean, that's how, what happens with all these viruses is they start with one thing and they, you know, eventually evolve and sometimes they can make that jump. Yep. And that's a terrifying thought is, you know, if chronic wasting disease can pop over to humans, I mean, that would essentially be this. Well, I mean, you, you wouldn't become a, a monster, but you would just die. <laughs> you would just die. Yeah. And that shit is scary to think about. So story. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically sets up the kind of world that we kind of live in, in this well, scary post pandemic big time post like 20, 20, 25 years. I think it's 20 years, right? Um, 20 years. So 20 years after the initial 2013 breakout. is the breakout. And then 2033 is the game that we're playing. Right. Joel has lost his daughter. Sarah becomes a smuggler. He's yeah, he's a smuggler. He's a bandit. He's 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 just a nefarious individual. <laughs> Here's um, my question about Joel. And we, we don't get an answer in this game. Maybe we'll get an answer in the last of us part two. But does Joel have military training? Because he's really, 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 really good at killing people. Or is it just a 20 years of doing it? He's been doing it for 20 years. And yeah. Is it just like I mean, he the might... death of Sarah that turned like switches off his moral center or? Well, I don't get the sense at the very beginning of the game. I mean, they don't really, it's ambiguous, but it's very possible that Joel's been an asshole forever for, for his entire life. Like, well, I know like right off the bat, he's leaving that one family behind when they're driving out. And it's like, they have a kid. And he's like, so do we. Yeah. They, well, I mean, he didn't say it like that, yeah, <laughs> but, but he's got that survivor's instinct right away. But like from the very first scene of the game where he comes in and sits down on the couch with Sarah and he's just like, what, what the hell are you doing up? And he's on the phone and he's arguing with Tommy about something. And he's like, what are you doing up? And she talks about how, you know, she, oh, she gives him the watch mm -hmm. and she mentions that she's selling drugs. And he's like, oh good. You can help pay the mortgage, you know? Yeah. And that's not to say like that he's pro drug. <laughs> pro dealer for his daughter but it's not like he's a sarcastic kind of guy maybe he's sarcastic maybe he, maybe he's out there peddling drugs you don't know. <laughs> i don't think so because i think the first first phone call is a contractor dispute but he's definitely working in construction maybe i i know unless that's code for uh drugs do they say Anything about him working constructions? He talks about a contractor or a client, I think. I thought he talked about like a contractor. But they never talk about like the specific job. I'm not trying to hear like, I'm not trying to tell you what he does for a living. I know that he is trying to start a startup, but that's it. <laughs> because there is a book on his desk that says something about uh, 
startups for dummies or whatever. Who's not trying to start a startup? Am I right? You want to you wanna develop an app? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do really like the character of Joel. I think he's really well done and well. You like how he's a- crafted or you like him? Both. I think that he's 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 a bad person, Mike. I don't like him at all. That's why I think he's but, a great protagonist in a video game because he's got so much change to go through. You're not like automatically a hero. What change does start. he go through? He learns to hate somebody less. Like he doesn't. <laughs> he learns to what? What does Joel learn in this game? Well, that's the thing. He doesn't change. Like his moral center is always going to be just bad <laughs> but i think he goes from not being able to open up to finding this one person to connect to so maybe it's not it's, he doesn't change he just connects to it's him connecting to somebody yeah he for learned, the first time in 20 years no because he was connected to tess before that it's literally it's just he's jumping from one person to another i don't think he was ever that connected to tess though i don't think he's he was i don't think tess's death really upset him more as much as like ellie's potential death by the way, we're getting into spoilers now because we're getting into the, the story of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, these whole episodes are spoilers. That's what's so <laughs> great about post-game presented by two players. Um, I'm, why don't you think that he was attached to Tess? I'm, I don't think he wasn't attached to Tess, but I don't think he was that attached to Tess. Tess was someone that I think he felt like he could stay with and maybe, you know, have fun with work jobs with but i don't really feel like he had that kind of familial bond with or even you know the bond of like a if, a, like a, a real lover kind of a thing although I, clearly they're boned i completely disagree with you because the only reason that he continues the journey with ellie is because of a commitment to tess there's something there i just don't think it's as deep as what he has when he gets ellie finally well i mean ellie becomes a surrogate daughter for him right so of course he cares more about her than he cares about Tess. I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I really think he's just, he even says it to Ellie at one point later on in the game. He's like, I know it's not what, what you want to hear right now, but you just have to like find something to fight for and fight for it. Yeah. And like, you know, in the opening scene, that's his daughter it, in the beginning of the game, it's Tess. And then it becomes Ellie. Like he's just kind of picking that one thing. And I, I, I think it's unfair to say that he doesn't have feelings for or some sort of commitment to to Tess is all I'm saying. Yeah. So what does he <laughs> learn this game? That he can get away with a lot. Of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that he learns to open up again in some way and, and join with humanity in a way that he was always locked out because at the end he also wants to go back to Tommy's town and he finds kind of an opening with Tommy and like maybe a way to connect. And I feel like I don't want to go too much into like what I think about the next game, but I, I, I think that'll carry over to that game is that sense of I can rejoin society now because maybe that being that father was maybe his only connection to society at large and not himself. I don't know, man. I f- Either way, I like Joel because he's a super, <laughs> he's a very, very, very flawed protagonist, but he's not an antagonist. You're not playing a villain but you're also not playing a very nice guy. And I think that's really interesting in a game. I would almost argue that he is a villain. That he is the villain of the game. Toward the end, at the end of the game. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for 
if it wasn't for the DLC in the comic that I read, I would say that Joel is the villain of the game and Marlene is probably the, the most noble of characters in the game. But once you play left behind and then you read these, the, the American, what's the comic called American nightmare or American wasteland, something like that. I don't know. Um, it's a four part mini series that I read. But suddenly like the relationship between Marlene and, and Ellie is like called into question as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joel's just a shitty dude. He's a shitty dude at the start of the game. He's a shitty dude at the end of the game. He's selfish. He's very he's, selfish. He's just concerned about his survival. And I don't blame him for any of that. But like what I like about this game, what what's so strong about this game for me in the story, it's not like the growth that characters go through. It's just this really interesting slice of life. It's like, here's a year. Here's a year of these two people's lives in this terrible, terrible situation. And here's how they, how their relationship grows. That's the one thing that grows is their relationship. Right. Over the course of that year. And that's all it is. There's no real growth other than that, the bond between them. And it's just like, like, it's just like a slice of life. There's no great thing going on. If that makes sense. Other than the cure for humanity or whatever. (laughs) Other than the small little detail of a cure for humanity. Yeah. No, I I do like that. I love that the game is framed with the seasons. I think that's a great touch. It's very Western kind of a thing. Uh, the whole game has like this neo noir Western feel that I really dig. Yeah, the the guitar riffs are so good. Yep, the the like, it's such sparse, awesome music. The look of the game, the style. You know, I know they borrowed a lot from like Chernobyl and other places that have been overrun, and how nature overtakes everything. And I love the look of of everything in the game is really good, even with the outdated graphics you know it took me a minute playing a game that's basically just a sharper playstation 3 game so like start to really appreciate the details again and be like wow there's actually a lot going on in this which actually i talked about black flag that was a complaint of mine but then you play an older game like that and then you look at the detail and you're kind of like okay i can see the beauty in this older game and the last of us is very much like that just once you get out into the wild and you see the tree overgrowth and you go into the suburbs i love the suburbs going through all the people's houses it's so voyeurish mm-hmm. and like uncomfortable that I think that just adds to the feeling of the game. That's one thing that I wanted to talk about before we got into characters, but we're here anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> like location wise, I loved the story that they tell throughout the game just between the different zones and how every area you go to has been affected by the pandemic or plague or whatever. But you know, you're in, you see the Boston quarantine zone where it's, this is what it's like currently in a quarantine zone like a functioning quarantine zone yep and then you see pittsburgh which has been an overrun quarantine zone and you see the suburbs outside of it where it's about people and like all the the journal entries and stuff take place during certain periods of time where Mm -hmm. it's like the pandemic or this outbreak just happened and they're trying to usher us to quarantine zones and just like they're all like different stages of the collapse of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, in each area is a little bit different, you know? Yeah. I know. Like you love you have, the, and then the you sewers. Have Ish, yeah. You have Ish in the sewers. Who's like post all of that, trying to rebuild a society. It's really interesting to see as you go from area to area, 
the phase of collapse <laughs> in each area. It's not so much the areas themselves are in different phases, but the collectibles that you find in each area Detail are telling a, a story time. about a different era of the outbreak. Yeah. Every area you go to is collapsed. Other than where Tommy is, they've, they've, none of them have been doing well. Yeah. None of them have been doing well, but Boston's like on the verge of becoming every other quarantine zone you end up seeing. Are you pro military or anti military after playing the game? Like in the sense of, of the last of us's universe. Uh, I guess I'm, are they doing the right thing? They've definitely become the wrong thing. I think they've, they've just come become too militaristic. I think at the, when you read the notes about what they were doing, I think it was the good intentions, but I think now they're definitely the wrong way. But I also don't agree with the fireflies at all. Cause I think they're just pretty much the same. That that's which what, is probably what they were going for. <laughs> That's what I was having trouble dealing with is I don't <laughs> I'm I'm constantly coming up pro fascist in this in this <laughs> podcast, Mike, but it seems like the military was tough but fair. <laughs> like they seemed like they were doing everything that they had to do and it it sucks. I think the corruption that you kind of see a little bit in Boston or that Joel kind of alludes to is definitely wrong. But I think the idea of the quarantine zone and having the passports and killing the infected immediately when you're no choice, that works. This is the thing, too, that I don't feel like really gets fleshed out is what the military in Boston is doing wrong other than being harsh at times. Like, you see that opening scene where or that scene towards the beginning when you're walking through the Boston quarantine zone and there's like, they found four people squatting in an abandoned house. If this military was like so evil, all four of them get a bullet, but instead they go person by person and check them and see if anyone's infected. And yeah, the person that's infected gets put down immediately. That's what they had to do. Right? Like they have no other choice there. Yeah the only line that you get that alludes to the military not being that great is in Pittsburgh. Joel says something about how, uh, sometimes the military would just withhold rations. Yeah. It's like one line that's like, yeah, sometimes there wasn't enough food to go around. Sometimes they just didn't want you to have any. And like, for all I know, that's just like some government conspiracy nut job <laughs> saying they have the food, man. They're just not giving it to us. And chemtrails. Am I right? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I mean, that's Joel is not a reliable narrator. As far as I'm concerned, like he's a shitty person. (laughs) I think you just have to take Joel's word for it. I think there's also another line that alludes to, but Ellie says, thank God, nothing like that ever happened in Boston. So that wasn't Ellie's experience. And it wasn't until Joel says, no, it was like that. Well, Ellie was also raised in a military camp. Sure. You know, in training where everything's great. And they probably didn't tell her as a 14 year old. And Joel's some dirty smuggler breaking in and out of the city. So shit's going to be a little harder for him. I feel like he just maybe knows the the truth maybe a little bit more. I I think I have to take his word for it. Okay. Take his word for it. I'm just saying that I don't think the military actually. I think it's also alluded to that there's work camps as well for those that. Like Um, of those four squatters, three of them are going to work camps after this. I think it's alluded to. The only thing I remember is there's a couple of notes where people are like, I got to sign. I mean, people are assigned to work, right? They, that they, they do have they government do mandated that, yeah. jobs. And there were one people, there were people that were upset that they were getting assigned to outside the quarantine zone. They're like that's the military's right. job. Other than that, you don't really get anything 
than people being upset that they were being forced to work certain positions. I mean, I'm, I'm more pro Tommy than anything. I mean, at that point, I just survive, <laughs> build community, voting more of a, more of a democracy kind of a thing. But the Firefly's answer of just violence against what little humanity there's left and collateral damage be damned. It's just, that's definitely not the right way. So while I don't agree with maybe Ellie would have chosen to sacrifice herself and I don't agree with Joel taking away everything she fought to do and her sacrifice she wanted to make killing the fireflies didn't really feel bad to me because they were all kind of assholes. Yeah. And like, I feel like the fireflies didn't get enough screen time for me to think like, other than the fact that they're still looking for a cure, you never really get like, the idea that they're the good guys, other than the fact that Marlene tells you that they're the good guys, essentially. Right. But also, you don't know that the military is not looking for a cure. Because again, Marlene's like, oh yeah, they're not looking for a cure. Um, I feel... You don't get people from the highest level of government telling you any big secrets in this game. I'm... I definitely... I don't remember a specific thing that I read or heard... Someone definitely says the military has given up on looking for something at some point. I definitely got the impression throughout the entire game that we were in a world. And it's one of the things I liked about it is that we were in this world where like humanity has surrendered (laughs) that idea, you know? Yeah. Um, But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't actually remember anyone specifically saying I just, I feel like I was told that or alluded to that on more than a couple occasions, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't know. <laughs> what about Ellie? Because Ellie is Ellie's the best part of this game. It's, Other it's, than that, she got in my way a couple times. <laughs> it's weird that the character that you very rarely play as you only play as the one segment mm-hmm. feels like the hero of the game, but the hero is also the package. <laughs> She's it's strange. Like my feelings for Ellie are strange. I mean, she's great. Like as a character, she's far and away the best part of the game. I mean, there's a reason that she's the front and center on the box art, you know? Oh yeah. She's, she's innocent. Well, more or less innocent um, from the very start of the game. Unlike Joel, who's a complete dirtbag. Like we've already gone over. <laughs> Fucking dirtbag Joel. You know, she's a kid thrust into this situation. And while there are issues where I, sometimes I think she's a little more grown up than she should be, maybe. I also haven't grown up with that experience, so who knows? She's definitely an actual teenager, <laughs> like a young teenager going through this situation. I shot the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> fuck. Um, her love of the comic book, her, like, the practical jokes, her taking out the joke book, but at the same time, dealing with all these complex issues and being quiet and hating Joel, but relying on him. No, she's great. I love Ellie. Yeah, she... Her... I guess most of her lines are not most of her lines, but a lot of the dialogue in this was just improvised um, as they were shooting. Mm-hmm. And I I just love all her quips and stuff. And I, I really would like to know like how much of that was, what is it? Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. Yep. Um, who's also the waitress in Avengers. I had no idea yep. <laughs> <laughs> that excited me when I found that out. Um, I would I would love to know how much of it is how much of her is Ellie or how much of Ellie is her, you know? How I much of know. her did she put into it? I'd imagine a decent amount. But 
Yeah, her, her lines are really good. I'm, I'm very interested to see how her character grows, which is probably a reason they put her front and center in the next game as well. It's just her, everything she experiences affects her. And like the moment when you take control of Ellie and she's hunted down by those men and that one guy who either wants to eat her or rape her, and yet don't know which, probably both. It's definitely rape her first. Like there's, that's, yeah, that's 100% like what's going on there. Uh, it's just, uh, David is his name. David, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Hello, Ellie. <laughs> that whole sequence really affects her and her freak out at the end. It's like, you feel that even though it's a video game character, like you feel that moment where she's stabbing him in the, in the head over and over and over. And Joel's like, come here, baby girl. And he realizes, you know, that's when he finally kind of lack of a better word, adopts her. And she's just like completely after that, you see this disconnect with her and her character completely changes. I I would say that. (sighs) That's definitely like the first time I guess that you see him be like, really sweet to her mm-hmm. but they've definitely already reached like that level of relationship earlier than that i think like uh post jackson when they leave jackson that's when it's like all right you're my daughter now <laughs> we had a fight but you're my daughter yeah. now. how do you can even tell even when they're in jackson his he doesn't want to give like he's mad about get, not just that Ellie doesn't want to go, but like that he's mad that he has to give her up. But he just thinks it's yeah, he knows he's a scumbag and he doesn't want to be with her. Is he just like afraid of connecting with her? Is that I, I was confused by that, too. I, I think he doesn't want to be hurt again. You know, you connect to somebody, and they die. You know, as much as I didn't, I like I said, I don't think he connected that much with Tess. He definitely connected with Tess. And again, another person he liked died. Tommy abandoned him. So I think at that point, it's like, I don't need another soul on my conscience and i think he also i he absolutely understands that he is not a good person okay yeah so i think he knows so why did to he, get her out away why did he have a change of heart about continuing with her i think he just sees a lot of his own daughter in her the fact that she's so upset without him and that i think at that moment he sees that he completes her as much as she had started to complete him Mm-hmm. And fix that hole in his heart. Yeah, that that's why I say that I think as they leave Jackson, that's when that's their relationship going forward. But that scene that like that sparks that really, really bothered me. It's such a good scene, but just this one line of dialogue where he goes, where where Ellie goes, I'm not your daughter, or uh, I'm not her. That part I'm fine with, mm-hmm. but Marlene told me about Sarah. Like, what the? F- no, she didn't. <laughs> like, there's no way she did. I just met this chick, and the first thing she said was, "Hey, did you know Joel had a daughter? I've only known her for 35 seconds." That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> he. I don't think that Marlene and Ellie had a private conversation from the time that you know you go Joel to met Ellie. Joel and Ellie are together from that point forward, aren't they? Is there a moment that I'm missing? I don't think Marlene tells him. Tommy's wife tells her. No. From the moment you're turning on the power station. Does she say Marlene specifically? She says, Marlene told me about Sarah. Those are her words. I always thought it was Tommy's wife. What's Tommy's wife's name? I don't remember. But it can't be Marlene because that's really bad writing if there's two (laughs) Marlene's. Hey, that's people have the same name, Mike. (laughs) 
<laughs> not anymore. Not after the, not after the 20 years after the infection. There, that line just really bothered me. Just that one line Marlene told me. Well, now I don't like it. Yeah. Now it bothers me. I'm, I'm, I was so mad when it happened. I have to imagine that I'm correct in saying it's Marlene. If you're right, then that makes me really mad because I always <laughs> thought of Joel never telling anyone about Sarah. I imagined even Tess probably didn't know about Sarah. So now no, fucking Marlene knows about Sarah. I don't like that. It's, I, I'm, I don't think Joel has bared his heart about Sarah to anybody since Tommy. Yeah, there's. But Although that, Marlene knew Tommy. Oh no, Tommy I, didn't. I believe that Marlene knows about Sarah, and I think the test knows about Sarah. I just don't believe that Marlene told, told Ellie, Ellie about Sarah. <laughs> she could, if that's the truth, and, she could have told Ellie to maybe like calm her down, like, "Hey, this guy's he's he, had a daughter. he's got he, a dead daughter. <laughs> he had a daughter. He lost one. So, you know." So, you know, he, so he's not real good with them. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> you messed up one time. Two, three strikes and you're out, right? It's like it's like that joke from Arrested Development um, where Tobias and Lindsay are fighting and Michael tries to jump in. He goes, what do you know about marriage? Your wife is dead. <laughs> um, but I, I really didn't like that line. There was one other line that really bothered me. And the game is written so well, except for like these one or two little things that bugged me. Um, oh, after uh, after Ellie saves Joel from the when she kills her first person. OK, yep. Um, it's just an optional dialogue thing where they're standing in front of like a picture background. Like it's like a like a beach sunset in mm -hmm. the background <laughs> after she saves Joel. Joel like won't acknowledge that she saved him. Right. right yep. He's like, just do what I say, you know, and and walks away or whatever. There's this one piece of optional dialogue, which I don't remember getting the first time I played. You have to, you know, there's sometimes where you could press triangle. Yeah, right. yeah they'll see Ellie yeah, and press triangle. Um, I don't remember this the first time I played because it would have bothered me then too. So I think I missed it the first time. But it's a moment where Ellie's like, I wasn't trying to disobey you. And like Ellie's apologizing for saving Joel. And I was just like not okay with it. Because it's very, it's like a scolded child, you know. I don't know. I, I didn't like it because I remember the first time I played, I didn't get that, and the first time they acknowledged it was Joel apologizing to Ellie when where, he says, "Yeah," when he's like, "You know, goes, you're and, right. It was me or him." Yeah, and just yeah. so, just so you know, it was me or him. Um, and I think that one line of dialogue in between ruins it for me. <laughs> Doesn't ruin the apology from Joel or like the acknowledgement from Joel, but yeah, it's, it's like. That's not Ellie's character. Ellie is a she's brash and she's tough. So I don't get why she's, you know, whimpering to to Joel there. I feel like it that kind of broke her down a little bit, her first kill. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But and then becoming that child again, trying to like retreat back into that child, and then he won't let her be a child. Yeah. I just think the story was stronger without that moment. Did you get that one? Do you remember that one? I did get that one, at least yeah. this time. I don't remember if I got it the first time. But I you, missed most you, of her jokes. You remember what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. I missed most of her jokes this time. I only got one round of jokes. But I made sure I exhausted that book when I did the DLC. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the DLC separately. <laughs> I think we should talk about the DLC separately, yeah. right? It makes more sense. Yeah. I guess you do see Ellie grow up. That's the one person that... She's the one person that really shows growth throughout the game, though. Just mm -hmm. to get back to that. And it, it's interesting to see her learn about the pre outbreak world as they're going and like just talking to Joel about what life was like. Those are some of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah. Like the coffee shop, you know, did you come to a place like this? What'd you get? 
what did you order? And you can tell that they were starting to get along there. Even. Yeah. Um, or this place is fancy. <laughs> Do you ever stay in a place like this? Do you rich from before, before? I mean, <laughs> um, the ice. I love the ice cream truck dialogue. Oh, I heard about these. They would drive around playing really creepy songs, and kids kids would come up to them and buy ice cream from them. I don't remember that one. By themselves. No, you're fucking shitting me. Joel, is this right? Yep. Nope. That's right. They would come down. They they'd play that music. <laughs> <laughs> what was the of those moments? What, what do you think your favorite one was? Because I have, I definitely have a favorite one. Or I have two favorite ones. I guess about to tell you one. I mean, I think the giraffes. I mean, if you got to count the giraffes, then the giraffes. If if it's just a casual moment, I don't count the giraffes. Okay, then I think maybe I don't remember the ice cream truck moment. So it took me by surprise this time. I really like that ice cream truck moment. Because yeah. when you try to, de- it's just, that was one thing where you try to describe it to someone who's never experienced it and listening to them try, it does sound really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, I really, really liked her. It's in the scene where she yells at Joel, like in Jackson, but where she's like, she, you find her after she ran away mm-hmm. and she's just reading the diary in the window. And she's just like, is this really all they had to worry about back then? Boys and movies and what shirt goes with what skirt or whatever. <laughs> and you can see that she's like just really unable to process that people thought that way, you know, when she has to deal with, you know, ravenous monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and being the savior of the possible savior of the world. Yup. <laughs> no, definitely. Everything about Ellie is great. Um her relationship with Joel and the side characters you don't meet that many it's very sparsely populated land that you go through but the side characters that you meet are really interesting Bill's okay I think he has a storyline that just kind of gets thrown out the window at the end with his partner yeah they didn't really talk about it that much or like and I guess it's just the characters Bill's not gonna share and Joel and Joel's not gonna ask right so yeah but then at first it's like oh my partner and he ran off so you just think okay it's his partner and then you learn that Bill was gay and that was his actual partner and his partner left him and killed him, would rather kill himself than go back to Bill and Bill just shrugs it off. And I mean, I know Bill is, you know, fucking partner, whatever, but I just felt like there wasn't an actual cathartic moment or end for his character. Yeah, I would agree, I guess. Like that just kind of, I didn't remember that the first time I played it. And this time I was just kind of like, that's an unsatisfying ending to that kind of hinted at storyline. Yeah, there's definitely, there are a lot of little cool storylines that you just don't really get, you know, there's like you said with Bill, you don't really get that relationship between him and his partner other than the one like suicide note, mm-hmm. which I really liked. And that was, no, that's soon as I was, oh shit. And we, I think when you read the suicide note, you're like, that's when I, that was before you find out that he's gay. I'm like, oh, they were definitely, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, that's when we realized they were together. Yeah. Like, this is a, this is a bad breakup here. (laughs) This isn't just like a guy that was, you know, whatever. But that kind of, like you show, build a note and it's just like, which also pissed me off. I wasn't going for collectibles, but I read that (laughs) you have to collect the note, give it to Bill. And then when Bill crumples up that same note and throws it back on the floor, you have to pick it back up again. And it counts as a second collectible. Really? And I was like, who the fuck's going to think to do that? <laughs> Ellie would. <laughs> I love that she stole the comic. And then from then on, you just try to read the comic. I'm, I was trying to read the comic this time. I didn't care about it the last time, but I was like, 
going to see where the story goes because right now it's all out of sequence and it makes no sense. I think I was missing a couple, but I never actually went back to read the comic. You only read the back page like explanation, but what was it like St- Savage Starlight? It was called something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was, it was semi interesting. They found warp drive and they accidentally created a portal for this ancient alien race that wanted to destroy everybody and they end up sacrificing themselves at the end. But did they actually save humanity? Cool. Yeah, I like the idea of comics being like a link to a link to our present time, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a book called Station Eleven, I think, that I had read a few years back that does the same thing. You know, it's a post apocalyptic world and she's like reading the comics by this author who she eventually meets, I think. In the, it, I don't have to talk about this book. <laughs> but when I read the book, I wasn't thinking about The Last of Us, but I, I'm actually curious which came first. I should go back and look it up because I was like, oh, this might be like, uh... as I was reading them this time, I was like, oh, it feels like Station Eleven, the book I read. But I think the book actually came out after The Last of Us. So okay. I don't know. I'll look it up one day. <laughs> well, I'm sure the, the Last of Us, I'm almost positive, is influenced by Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, which is even more depressing than The Last of Us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love those little touches to the real world. The video game that she wants to play, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Uh, the Turning. The Turning, yes. Yeah. What's interesting is The Turning, I found out, was actually um, a comic book series that, what's the what's the writer-director's name? Neil Druckmann? Neil Druckmann, yep. The Turning is actually a comic book series that he tried to get published, but it was rejected. Oh, so interesting. I thought that was interesting. Nice. I love the moment when she goes, to, she finds the first turning machine when you're um going to find Bill. And she goes, oh, turning. Oh, man. He goes, oh, you play it? No, I had a friend that was really good at it. And, you know, you learn playing the DLC that it was Riley. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice little connection that you get after the fact. Yeah, that was a nice moment. <clears throat> uh, but I love, uh, what are the two guys' name that you meet? Sam and. Sam and Henry. Henry. And they were amazing. They were an amazing part. I'm a little. I was thinking about when I was playing it the second time. I was like Sam and Henry could have been their own little DLC as well. That's what when they said the DLC was coming for The Last of Us, like way back when. I assumed it was going to be that when it, when I was first Sam told. and Henry. Yeah. Because um, it's just perfectly set up. You got the same kind of format: a big guy and a little dude. <laughs> you just play the game the exact same way. It's like perfectly built for that. Yeah. I'm excited to play Last of Us 2. We don't have to talk about Last of Us 2, but I, right. I really wish that they stayed in that world but went to different characters. But we'll we'll see what happens. I agree. It was interesting to see their relationship. Like, you know, Sam's the older one, right? No, no, Henry's, Henry's the, the older one. one. Yeah. Um, Henry's got the rule, you know, you can't bring anything with you. Yep. And he can't take the robot. And then Ellie takes the robot. And that was actually a cool moment because as it was happening in the store, like I didn't see Ellie pick it up, but I saw her walk over to it and I turned around and then looked back and she's taking it. Like, what? I didn't see her ever picking it up. You uh, you don't. Cause I tried to do the same thing. Cause playing it now, I knew she was going to pick it up. So uh, I was waiting for it. And until you, she, you turn your back, you turn around and it's gone already. No that, okay, good. Cause I was like, I, <laughs> I went to look, I saw her walking towards the robot and I looked away to see what Sam and Henry were doing. I looked back and the robot was gone. I'm like, Oh yeah, she does take it there. Yeah. Um, if you you can stare at her for like twenty minutes and she won't do anything, she'll just stare at she'll the robot. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love I but love yeah. the moments with them, and they're they're such they're so much more light. Even though Henry's got that one rule, they're so much more lighthearted and affectionate toward one another. 
Because at this point, they haven't gone to uh, Joel and Ellie haven't gone to Jackson yet. So they're still kind of at odds with each other, whereas Sam and Henry are much more of a cohesive team. And I mean, obviously, they're actually, you know, brothers. So it's a little more relatable there. But mm-hmm. it's also really heartbreaking at the end when Henry uh, shoots Sam and then pops his own face. I love that cut, though. That's a great time to end that scene and start the next one. Yeah, it's fierce. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I was. What game am I playing? That was intense. <laughs> I also like the moment with Sam and Henry when you switch children. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that scene. Tell me what I'm missing here. Okay. So Ellie and Henry are about to be chased away by clickers, mm-hmm. and you've got this giant door in front of you, and they need to get away. Why don't you just like knock on that door, yell, or make some noise to attract the clickers? To give them time to escape. Like, I was very confused by that. It's like, you, because you just stand there on your side of the door watching this horde <laughs> of clickers walk by. Just like, like no, David, <laughs> no. And that bugged me. <laughs> or the fact that it had bars and they couldn't get you. So why don't you just pick them off a little bit with your pistol? Sure, that too. I, mean, I wouldn't even think that. The, the lack of attempt to help them is was like ridiculous. Just, <laughs> it's a knock or something. Just, Hey, <laughs> yes, they're dead. Good luck. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that uh, Sam wasn't a little more disturbed by my fierce hand-to-hand destruction of all of those infected in one part. Because I did nothing but bash heads for like 20 minutes straight in one small room. <laughs> and he was like, that's a lot of them. Like, I would have gotten like 20 oh fucks from Ellie by now. <laughs> He's been around the block. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> We've kind of already kind of gone over Joel's decision, but how did you feel about the end of the game? Yeah. Um, Talk about summer. <laughs> summer. <laughs> summer goes by way too quick to me. I liked it. It was, you know, it's kind of like an, an epilogue or whatever, you know, like, I mean, I guess it's not an epilogue because there's an epilogue. <laughs> well, because it's the culmination of everything. Yeah. No, I love the giraffe scene. The giraffe scene's amazing. Yeah. I liked I liked playing through it this time because I didn't notice the first time I played it, all the giraffes scattered throughout the game, just as far as like stuffed animals and like painted on walls and stuff. Oh, I didn't notice that either. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. Like Sarah's got one. Um, they're just all over the place. Like the nursery and the sewers has a bunch of them. If you if you look for them, you could see them everywhere. Like when you are thinking about giraffes as you're playing. Someone really likes giraffes at Naughty Dog. <laughs> I guess, well, originally, like, the concept of the game had infected animals, which is kind of scary. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I every, Not every zombie game needs me to kill dogs. No, I'm, well, <laughs> apparently at one point, Joel gets chased by a infected elephant. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> I was surprised the monkeys weren't infected. I thought they got way too close to those monkeys. The monkeys were infected. They just were doing their own thing. <laughs> Oh, that's right. They do talk about that. Yeah. He says, good thing you didn't get, because that's one what of the happened. monkeys bite him. Yeah. That's what happens to the scientist there. Yep. Is he gets bit by a monkey. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. One of those fuckers bit me. Because he's trying to free him, right? Because um, he's like, no point in them getting all destroyed. Yeah. He's he's supposed to burn them all, but he decided to let them live and while freeing them, he gets bit and got what he deserved. Down they go. <laughs> um, how did you have like feelings about the giraffe scene as it happened? This time, not so much. The first time I was like, I mean, the first time I didn't know what to expect. Like this game was such like a, 
And then you get this really nice, beautiful scene with the giraffes and they connect. And it's just like, maybe, just maybe this game will have a happy fucking ending. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) So how'd you, so obviously the end of the game, Ellie, that you find out that Ellie needs to die for them to dissect her brain or whatever to potentially make a cure. Mm -hmm. And Joel's not having that. Nope. <laughs> How'd you feel about his choice at the end to kill everyone? Probably the last brain surgeon in America. Um, I was all about it, man. <laughs> like at that point, I cared too much about Elliot. It's just like, no, no, you know, she's not a she's not a package or whatever. And this time, though, I felt a little different because this time I really kind of listened to Marlene when she was like you know it's what Ellie would have wanted, and you see in Joel's face, oh, absolutely, it's what Ellie would have wanted. And when I first played it, when you talk to Ellie at the end of the game, you realize uh, she would have been totally cool with dying. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, but this the first time I played through, I was just like, Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> and I flamethrowered everybody. I threw Molotov cocktails. I was all about murdering everybody. What about when you're in the room I did feel bad shooting the doctor. And the doctor's there and he holds the <laughs> scalpel up. Did you shoot him immediately or did you stop? Did I, you did you try to walk by him? I don't remember what I did in the first time I played it. I probably threw a Molotov cocktail at him. <laughs> but this time I I did shoot him right in the face with my revolver and immediately regretted it, thinking the same thing you just said. That could have been the last doctor on the planet. <laughs> could I have just punched him? Would that have been okay? Because so many of the guys you just knock out with the back of your pistol. I was like, was shooting him the right choice? So this time, I didn't want to shoot him. So I said, I'm just going to... The first time I shot him, I stared at him for a while. (laughs) And he never put the knife down. (laughs) So I'm like, I guess I got to shoot him. So I shot him. This time, I'm like, what if I don't even try? Is he going to stab me if I walk up? And he doesn't stab you, Mike. You have no choice. That guy has to die. If you try (laughs) to just walk up to Ellie, Joel puts a shotgun through the guy. Oh, so no matter what, you automatically he, shoot him? He's he going down. <laughs> the other two seem like they're optional. I don't think I ever killed the nurses when I was playing. I let, well, there's the one to the right. I let live this time. The one to the left. Called you a monster. <laughs> I was just in the moment. <laughs> I just gibbed a guy with a shotgun. Somebody else had to get it. <laughs> but the, the nurse to the right got to live this time. Oh, uh, yeah. And then escaping the hospital while holding Ellie. These are my favorite moments in the game. It's the beginning with holding Sarah while you're running through the city. No, the beginning of the game is amazing. And the end here where you're escaping the hospital with Ellie, where you're running, but you don't really know where you're going. And it's signposted a little bit in the hospital, but like in the streets, the beginning of the game, no idea where you're going. You're literally just running to run because that's what you do. Like there's zombies everywhere. You just have to run. And just that feeling of not knowing where you're going and just trying to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. It, it, it feels really, really good. You know, you don't feel like you're running on rails in those moments. You really feel like you're trying to escape a city. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. And then when you're running up that hill at the beginning and the, you see the zombie coming out of the, the ambulance mm-hmm. and you know this zombie is faster than me <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know what's about to happen when you get to the top of the hill. Um, it's just really, really tense. I really, 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 really a thousand reallys 
loved those moments. Oh yeah, at the beginning of the game when Sarah gets shot and you realize she died, I think that's a great hammer home moment because in so many video games, you know, kids are usually off limits. The fact that they kill a kid right at the beginning of the game, you know that this is a different kind of game. Yeah, you know it's a harsh world and it, it cemented that the humans are the assholes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, she doesn't get bit. She gets gunned down by by the government. On orders. Yeah, so you can definitely see why Joel's not a huge fan of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, what you said about the running with Ellie, I don't remember it the first time, but that's the second time. Yeah, like... I got to go through the hallway and then, oh, wait, they're here. And then going through the pediatric ward and going through the little hospital beds and hoping you made the right turn. Yep. With with the hospital at the end, if you're really looking at the walls, I don't know if it's exit or elevator, but you can actually see signs. that There's are an exit sign. You. I noticed a couple of those. Yeah. And I was following those. So it wasn't as open as the beginning of the game. Um, but I but still, I felt like, oh, God, what's around the next corner? I can't shoot anyone like I just need to run like I'm just running. Uh, and it just feels really great. And then the end when uh, you're cutting back to Joel driving Ellie and his conversation with Marlene. I love that. Oh yeah. Intercut, no. intercut conversation. Let me go. You don't have to kill her. Nah, you'll just come after you'll her. You'll just come after her. So matter of fact, just like, what a douche, what a douche. Like, ugh. but you, but he's right. Oh no, right? she would absolutely come after <laughs> the only person with the cure. Although I think at that point, after so many Fireflies gunned down, and if you read her other notes, I think she'd have been kicked out of the Fireflies at that point. Glad they were already not really about her toward the end. Yeah. A little yeah. bit too much of a quest. <laughs> well, they were just mad that she gave Ellie to Joel to begin with, right? Wasn't that the main mm, frustration? No, they were not so mad about that, but mad that the people she had wait at the museum got killed. That they ordered them to stay at the museum and they all got murdered. Oh, I and from what I from what I was reading, that really made them mad. Like, how was I? Or maybe it was that Joel had them, and that I drop off couldn't be she, made. They were upset that my understanding when I was listening to those recordings was that the majority of the fireflies or firefly leadership, whoever it is, were upset with her because Ellie is the cure for humanity, and they ponder off, and she ponder off to Joel. But and she's like, "How was I supposed to know I was going to recover so quick? And maybe I maybe I did undersell how." good my people were going to be and she's talking about how she wasn't expecting to be able to make it across the country to the leadership people yeah but in it, the, there's a written note where she talks about how her own men were not so happy with her and like arguing with her oh i don't remember i mean i yeah i can't think of that one specific i just remember her saying like you know she wished that she had more faith in her people because she didn't realize that she'd even be able to make it across the country that's what she gave her gave her to to Joel right how was she supposed to know all her people were going to die and all that stuff and then they were mad that she wouldn't kill Joel which is I kind of say, yeah. funny She's <laughs> like, I'm not going to kill the one person that knows what I'm going through as far as you know having to sacrifice Ellie also the need to kill Joel just doesn't make a lot of sense to me like that we got to kill you yeah it, it doesn't like, make sense it's like what? I, what give me money like I just yeah. did great things for you <laughs> like then the, the that's the one thing I really didn't like was like these people are that's even if I don't fireflies are bad people. Yeah. That one guy in that room really was just such a cartoon villain. Like granted, there are really big villains in this game, like David and stuff like that. But like you watched enough stuff and you just like, okay, that's the kind of psychopath that would get some kind of control or whatever. But this one fucking asshole guard who's just so trigger happy to murder, just like give me an excuse to murder you. Which one? The guy 
in the who's in the room with Marlene and like smacks you when you get up to like talk back to her, and then like give me an excuse, asshole. Let's go. Like he wants to kill you to begin with. What? I I didn't have a problem with him. I mean, I he, just thought he's, he was a little too much. He's very militant, but like, I don't know. I I didn't think that he was out of place or I felt like he really just wanted to murder me for no reason. I I mean I feel like I just delivered your savior. <laughs> but he was Joel was like maybe not a prisoner. He was about to be escorted out of the building, but right. you know, he was not welcome there, right? We that you're you're okay with him not being welcome? Yeah. So he's he's just like a tough guy cop or a tough guy you know, I guess I got a little bit more than tough guy from him, but I'm glad he died. Just like, and also you got shot three times in the intestines. And give a, me excuses. Give uh, me an excuse is like a very like cliche tough guy thing to say. Yeah. You know? Like I didn't think it was, Maybe it was the way much. it came off, but then him giving up Ellie, like right away after he got shot three times in the intestines also pissed me off. It's like, dude, you're dead. You're <laughs> dead. You'd be pretty much dead today with in the hospital today. That's open. You're in a dirty rundown hospital na- at that time. You're, don't give up Ellie. <laughs> he said, oh, she's there. I'm dead. <laughs> um, so what did you think about the very end, you know, where where it's, where Ellie asks, like, where Ellie knows that Joel is lying to her and the lie that Joel tells Ellie. What do you think about all that? I didn't need it. I felt like I got that from the car. Like, I got her that she thinks he's lying from the car. Even the first time I played it, I was like, I already got that. And then you give me this epilogue that I don't need. I know where they're going. I know what they're doing. I think ending it closer to the hospital is a nice ending point. I didn't need that little Jackson extra end, personally. See, I I do like that it ends on distrust, but either way, it would have ended on distrust. I well, that, that's what I like about it is that it ends on the lie. But I do think them just walking through the woods and him, at this point, you can tell that he loves Ellie more than anything. Oh, in that sure, last yeah. moment where he's like, is that where he's talking like how he's going to pe- teach her how to play guitar? Or he's talking about, he's talking, he's openly talking about Sarah at the end. So like, you know, like that Ellie and him are tight, you know, he's like, Oh, me and me and Sarah used to go on walks like this or hikes like this or whatever. Yeah. So it was interesting to see him be completely open. And now Ellie is the guarded one. And then El- him lying right to her face there at the end. I don't know. I, I really liked it. And I know that she was uneasy, but it's nice to have that clear confirmation, that clear line, like right to her face. You know, she's going to find out about it at some point. You have to imagine that's what the sequel is going to. I hope she doesn't because I don't. I don't think it's needed. You don't have to continue that storyline, but it's possible. Either way, I think that the one thing he tried to get was her being his daughter, like keeping a daughter. and. By doing the action that saved Ellie, he lost a second daughter again. So the only thing I know about The Last of Us 2, and this is the only thing I want to talk about with The Last of Us 2, the only thing I know, so no Last of Us 2 spoilers here, is mm-hmm. Ellie's the main character. That's the only thing I know about Last of Us 2. I don't want to know any more about Last of Us 2. I know she's out for revenge and she wants to quote unquote kill them all because it's in the teaser. Yeah, that's all I know. See, I didn't even know that, <laughs> so fuck you. You didn't watch the teaser? No, I don't know anything about this From game. two years ago? I just know that Ellie <laughs> is the main character of the game. And I did hear somewhere along the way that it was about revenge. There's, there's no way you can have a game starring Ellie and not where you don't address the lie in some way, you know, like I, I would hope it would come up naturally between their, her relationship with Joel. 
but I would hope it wasn't the focus of the game. Because I feel like that storyline's gone and you can set them down a new path. I, we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't, know. don't care. I don't but, know either. But I just can't imagine you have a sequel with her as the main character where it's not brought up in some way. You know, it's got it's got to be because that's when the when the credits roll in the game, that's the moment where I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> that's what I want resolution to, you know, if. But here's the thing. I didn't even want Joel and Ellie to be the main characters in The Last of Us Part Two. You mean either, but if you're gonna, if you're going to have them as your characters, or at least have Ellie as your character, because I have no idea what's up with Joel, it ha- I just you have to talk about it. It has to be a thing. What makes me mad is I think it's HBO is making a Last of Us live action TV show. Yeah, it's and it's gonna like be Ellie and Joel again. It's like uh, I had Last of Us one is perfect. I don't need to rehash it. Take place in the same universe. Do two different things. Like I, I don't really want another Joel Ellie. Is it? just the rehash of the events of last of us i would imagine so if it's going to have a young ellie and joel i mean i guess the game takes place over the course of a year and we only see maybe i don't know how many days i'm just gonna throw a number six days probably total if so there's there's a lot there to explore (laughs) and i'm sure it wasn't smooth sailing Every every time we weren't looking at them, you know, they must have been going through stuff. Yeah, but Ashley Johnson just does such a spot on job as Ellie and Troy Baker does such a great job with Joel that I just I don't want to see two other people try to take on that role so soon after the first game. I mean, the sequel's coming out with the same character voices like I don't need. I don't know. I, I don't get mad about adaptions like that. If they want to go for it. Sure. Go for it. Yeah. Either it'll be awesome and I'll love it or it'll be bad and I won't watch it. So I'm going to that's the thing, Dave. I'm going to watch it either way. OK. <laughs> But yeah, it's your choice because <laughs> it is such an amazing story to tell. And like if this was a movie and they were rebooting the movie a couple of years later, 10 years later, however long it might be, I'm going to pick up. Well, you can just go watch the original. This is a video game going to a completely different format. I guess so that. like there's a lot of people who just haven't been able to experience the story of The Last of Us because they don't own PS3s or PS4s or PS5s or whatever it's coming out. Yeah. It, and it's there's a whole audience of people that do not have access to the last of us. So I'm totally okay with it becoming a thing, you know, like not that they can't buy it and learn it, but there's, there's, this, <laughs> they can buy it and learn it. Dave, if it was like a comic book, it'd be like, you can read a comic. If it was a TV show, you could watch a TV show. If it was an audio recording, you could listen to an audio recording, but a video game, it does take a little more work and a more investment to, to get into. So I feel like you do open it up to a lot more people. That's true. I'm okay with it. And I think a TV show, a series is better than a movie for the last of us. So, Oh, I absolutely agree with that too. I I think there's a lot to explore there. So if they want to go there, cool. I'm I'm for it. Hmm. Before we talk about left behind, um, I do want to talk about Marlene and it'll kind of tie into it. So what were your thoughts about Marlene while we were playing Eh. the game? I wasn't a huge fan of Marlene. She, I felt like her character wasn't clear. Like she was so many different things all at once, like a military leader, an actual mother, surrogate mother for Ellie, uh, a prophet of some sort for the fireflies, like someone <laughs> like they had to believe in, you know, someone who cared about Ellie and didn't want her to die. Someone who didn't care. Someone who only valued her own life. She's just so wishy washy to me. So in the game, you don't get a ton of Marlene. All you really know is that she promised Ellie's mom that she would look after her. Right. 
and you get the impression that she's been like a surrogate mother for her up until this point or whatever right so in with that just knowing that i mean maybe i like her maybe i don't like her i really don't know at that point but like towards the end of the game where she's choosing to let ellie die i'm like that's got to be a tough choice for her (laughs) like you, you can feel for her making like this noble sacrifice of her basically giving her daughter for humanity you know not quite but um sure but yeah i get you there's waves of it there but then once you get into left behind and especially into the comic series that i mentioned briefly suddenly their entire relationship i'm calling into question i yeah it's definitely not what you imagine it was so in left behind you definitely can tell okay she's in the military academy and she knows who Marlene is, but you don't even get the sense that she's really like met Marlene, right? I get the sense that maybe or she's met maybe her when she was growing up. She was around, but yeah, maybe once or twice. What I got was a very big Obi-Wan Kenobi type vibe. Yeah, Like yeah. from a distance watching over and Ellie maybe knows something about how, yeah, she doesn't want Ellie to get in trouble, but has no other real contact with her. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, like that made me just like really dislike Marlene. Just knowing that like that. Oh, she wasn't really a mother to her. She was just, you know, a person that knew her and was able to pull a few strings to get into get to get her into a military academy. Yeah. I don't know if that was left behind or if the, it was the comics. That was probably it, the comics. Yeah. But it was mentioned. The comics were really bad. <laughs> um, See, so yeah, that just made me really dislike it. Like, Fuck Marlene. Because yeah. then her whole relationship with Ellie and Ellie's relationship with her is what? Three months since Ellie was bitten, they say? Three weeks. So right? she's known Marlene pretty much three for three weeks. weeks. This is three weeks ago. <laughs> something like that. Then, yeah. Then that's all that Ellie really knows of Marlene. That's probably the most she's ever spent with her. Most time she's ever spent with her. Yeah, it's got to be because she gets bit and left behind and she hasn't spent time with her then. So yeah. Bit and left behind. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> <You just said laughs> that? I don't even know what I say on this show. Mike. <laughs> what did you think of the DLC overall though? Uh, it was all right. <laughs> I mean, everybody has like crazy, like, Oh, it's the best thing ever. Were they? Yeah. I was reading reviews of it. It's like the best game I played all year. It's like, calm down. Yes, it had a a a same sex relationship, which yes, everybody was touting, and that's great. But the game itself played like a, a extended cinema sequence that I would much rather have watched than played. Like I thought the story was really good and is very touching and, and well acted, but the game sucked. <laughs> I did like a couple of the new mechanics, which we can go into. But did you like eh. the cutting between the malls? Only because that's the only time I could play the game was Ellie in the present and not Ellie in the past. Mm-hmm. And I liked, again, so I'll bring that up. Ellie in the mall in the present day looking for sutures for Joel enabled me to play a game where I can use the infected to fight the humans. Yes. And I thought that was amazing. And I hope they add that in Last of Us Part 2 because that's lacking in Last of Us Part 1, mm-hmm. the main game. Yeah, You never fight the both of them at the same time, right? Right. And I thought that mechanic was great. And it was really cool. And that's a, that's about it. <laughs> Other than that, no, I don't think you needed any of the moments. It could have just been Riley and Ellie back in the day. And I would have thought that was stronger. Would you have liked that mall stuff better if it was in the original game? 
or do you think it needed to be in the original game? Would you have liked it to be in the original game? What do you, because it was clearly pulled right from the original game, right? It's pretty much. Yeah. I, well, I feel like that was made for the original. Oh, game. and they just kind of said, no, we don't need the sequence. Well, actually because of the whole infected versus humans, it's got a whole new gameplay mechanic. That you never yeah. It probably before. was developed afterwards. I'd say, but they definitely knew they were going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you didn't have that infected versus human sequence in the game, then no, I don't, I don't need that. You don't need that at all. I don't need that at all. Um, if you're talking about while adding the Riley stuff, sure. I, if you added Left Behind into the main game, the game is short enough that you could have added that whole thing, and I would have been cool with it. If it was just like a two-hour... yeah, We got a flashback for Joel at the beginning, so why not give a flashback for Ellie at the beginning of her sequence? I would be okay with that. Well, I, That's why I was curious about it, because if they had included that section of the game, you wouldn't have started with Ellie the same way, because that would have been the first time you played as Ellie, right? Yes. And I really like the black screen and opening up to winter and you're in the woods, you know, completely hunting. different. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what, what the fuck is he dead? Like, cause looks, you know, <laughs> impaled. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. So I, I don't think I needed it at all. I'd have been cool with it cut out. Yeah. yeah. It was just nice to, but I guess it does work as a framing device for her thinking back to Riley. Riley. Yeah. yeah. But I don't need a, you don't need a framing device. I mean, you would have been perfectly fine if the DLC just started back in 2033. Uh, I guess summer. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about Riley as a character? See, this is the thing. Like I kept going back and forth between I hated Riley and Ellie in this and I loved Riley and Ellie in this because they go back and forth between between being 14 year olds to being 30 year olds in a, in a relationship. And it's just like that is not what kids are like. Like, no matter how much shit they've been through in terms of the infected, they're having very adult conversations about their relationship. Not like just in what? terms of like, just in terms of like, you abandoned me and that they're like, they're really hashing things out in a, in a way that's very adult kind of talking and not really, I don't think, true to a 14 year old having their their first relationship, no matter how strong that connection might have been. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was like, wow, they're they're really good communicators. Uh, so I. I kind of wavered at that. Overall, I like Riley's character. I, I and the moments when they are do get to be fourteen year olds with each other, I think is great. And they're over the course of the game admitting that their feelings are, are more than just friendship without actually saying anything. I think is beautiful and really well done. Mm-hmm. It's just those few moments where they're really arguing about their choices and really hashing it out, like they were thirty year olds in a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this a fourteen year old cannot process things like that. Like I don't, I don't care how much infected murder they've seen. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was all very big, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I read the stupid comic as well, and that, <laughs> and that made me also dislike Riley and it made me question how well they knew each other as well. <laughs> when well, you, you read the comic, you get this talk about them having this Riley having this big blow up and basically telling Ellie to fuck off, but you never see it. And you well, only hear about it. And it's like, why would Ellie even care when Riley comes back the first time then? That's well, if you read the comic, it's about them. Me- it's about Ellie and Riley meeting. Okay. And at the end of the four issues, it seems like it all takes place over the matter of a couple of days at the end of the fourth issue. I'm pretty sure Riley goes off with Marlene. So I don't even, get, <laughs> I don't even get the sense that they had a, like a long relationship. Well, that doesn't make sense then. And that throws their whole, I don't, 
Like we were good. We were more than good for four days. <laughs> then, then that actually, Dave, that is very 14 year old that I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll send you the, the books there so you can read them yourself, but I'm pretty sure it ends with her going off with Marlene. It definitely ends with them meeting Marlene and like her being like this larger than life figure. And then, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, it made me question a lot of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like, the two of them are really cute together and they're, they're framings and stuff like that. They're moments. Yeah. Like once, once you turn the power on in the mall, like I wasn't sure when the DLC was going to end. So I started getting so like stressed out about, Oh, when they're opening the door and it cuts, I was waiting for that arm to just get bit. Well, just <laughs> every single moment that happens, like when they're in the photo booth, I kept expecting, like I was just waiting for, cause you know, the infected are going to come, right? Like, you know, the, you know how it you ends. You know yeah. how it ends. And like, I was just getting so sad and so stressed <laughs> about all of it. And like, when you're reading the the joke book that you get for the first time yeah. there. Oh yeah. I exhausted that thing. <laughs> I, ex I exhausted it too. Not because I like was enjoying the jokes. You didn't want them to die. It's just because I felt like once I closed that book, the infected were going to show up, you know, like the <laughs> whole time I'm like, they're right. They're going to come. They're going to come. And they're making so much noise in this goddamn mall. And I'm just like, why are you turning a carousel on? I was thinking the same thing. They're going to kill you. And she's like, oh, let's go to the music. I was like, no, don't go to the music. Oh, man, it was especially because from the I think around the carousel is when. In the present day, I think Ellie's stuff is just wrapping up there. Like, you know, she's about to get the. The med kit from the helicopter. Like, yeah, she's already either just gotten it or about to. Yeah, yeah. I think she. I think she gets the med kit. Then they skip to like the last of their relationship stuff. Then it's her fighting her way out, and it, wait, it ends on the fighting the way out, right? Or does it end on the them talking in the mall? It ends on no. The, I mean, the helicopter stuff happens. There's a flashback again, though, a little bit after. And then it flashes to. Does it end with them sitting in the mall, or does it end with her? It ends with her taking pulling the riding the horse away. It ends with her riding the horse away. Okay. I think that whole. I think as soon as she gets in the garage to suture Joel back up, it flashes again to that last part where they're sitting on the rooftop. Okay. Talking about things. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the whole just anyway the whole time during that I was just so worried about it happening. I was sad that we didn't get to see and maybe it would be too much, but it's what I wanted from the DLC the whole time was to actually see Riley turn and how Ellie handled that. I know? thought the same thing. I was a little disappointed it, in that. I felt like it was kind of cowardly, cowardly for them not to commit to showing that. You showed me Sarah get shot to death and, and slowly bleed out. Show me this tough 14 year old, you know, like killing the, the woman she loves, yeah. or the girl that she loves. <laughs> like how or she if she even that? does, you know? Yeah. And, and, Maybe she just leaves. Realizing that her bite isn't affecting her the same way Riley's is. All that stuff would have been really interesting to see. I, I did think it was heartbreaking that that when the moment that the infected actually came was her ripping off the firefly tag and just really deciding I'm going to like be with you. Yeah. That's like ugh, that was that was like, oh, yeah. Yep. 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 That yep, was yep. that was the worst moment it could have happened. And then in the DLC, we got another one of those moments that I really love where you're running from the infected and you don't know where you're going. And it's just jump over this, run through these, these doors here. Those are definitely, those three moments are the, definitely the best 
The Last of Us offers as far as gameplay goes to me. Just the running without knowing where you're going or what you're doing. I got to tell you, Dave, the most intense part of either the DLC or the main game to me was the Super Soaker fight. <laughs> um, not realizing where Riley was going to come from and needing to beat her. I did not win. <laughs> I did not win either. But you're talking to the fucking brick master. <laughs> <laughs> the brick, the brick thing is awesome. And oh, what question did you choose to ask? Um, what were my choices? I did this three weeks ago. Uh, did she say anything about my mom? Why did you leave? Uh, why did you decide to join the Fireflies and like something else? I think it was why did you leave, but I don't remember. I did the same thing, and like she barely, she half answers it. Yeah, I, whatever she said wasn't memorable to me. <laughs> I love the Halloween store too. Halloween store. I thought too. that was really well done. Like I was like, like all this for just like a bit, like all this extra stuff. Like the masks are really fun. The skull that tells you the fortunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Halloween store was cool to see him walk around because you know how like kids gravitate towards Halloween in general, so it was easy to kind of like put yourself in that position you know yeah. of being a kid in a halloween store with full access the way they had it you know <laughs> um overall i thought it was good i was just i would have just liked the story stuff i didn't need any of the combat stuff though. <laughs> i'm i'm the same although i like the use of combat it seemed tacked on to a a thing that was mostly story and exploration which is the best part of last of us anyway and uh, the video game part also i thought was really cool all the little like mini things you can do about playing like the game in the, the mind when Riley is kind of having her imagine. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That was cool. Very cool. I don't know, I'm kind of out of stuff. That's about it. I mean, I think we both really like this game. I think it's some of its shortcomings are just, you know, they're not nitpicks. They're issues. But overall, the game is so good and the story is so good. Oh, we didn't talk about his octopus arms. <laughs> <laughs> Any, <laughs> anytime Joel is just grabbing stuff, like when he's scavenging for... Oh, he just kind of scoops. Just, he just kind of like <laughs> throws his little tentacles out there and grabs things. Like, why couldn't they just have it so he picks up one piece of scrap that's <laughs> worth five rather than five individual pieces of scrap? No, five scraps. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but I'm I'm going crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. He's octodadding pretty hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I... Sorry for cutting you off. I got distracted. No, that's it. fine. But no, I, I really, really loved this game. When I mentioned earlier in the podcast, when I beat the game the first time, I said, I never want to play this game again. I don't want a sequel to this game. I still don't. I'm going to play it and I hope it, I have no expectation for it to be as good as the original. So hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised. I have really mixed feelings about playing a sequel, but I'm excited, I guess. Yeah, this is the one game that I loved where I was, I don't want a sequel either. And I, I'd like to be more pumped for it, but hey, I'm really pumped for Ghost of Tsushima. So like, yep, 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 yep. Uh, this game's just kind of in the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had to beat this game to get to Tsushima. Because again, like you said, it's, it's so great and it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. Like you think it's a cliffhanger and it needs to be resolved, but it doesn't. That's the kind of movie that story that does not need to be resolved it is a cliffhanger but it doesn't need to be resolved but if you ever go back to that world it needs to be resolved like so now it needs to be resolved if they go back to that world they have to resolve it and i don't know if i want them to resolve it that's that's my whole dilemma is like it ends so strong sometimes just let me have my imagination you know yeah (laughs) but what are you gonna do i'm gonna play the game when it comes out in uh, about a month yes sir (laughs) All right, so I think that's it for what we have today. Um, 
we will be back in two weeks with Mortal Kombat Aftermath. Ooh. So, um, like we said in last week's episode, if you have any, uh, any thoughts about Mortal Kombat, whether it be Aftermath or just Mortal Kombat in general, memories, moments, things that you love about it, you want to let us know. Awesome. Um, I had gone to Reddit, like I had said, for The Last of Us here. I got a couple comments, but because of all The Last of Us 2 spoilers that were out. Yeah, to ignore them. The, well, no, because I went to The Last of Us subreddit. Ooh, yeah. And it's just completely shut down right now. Like yep. Nobody's posting on it. Um, so I posted and no one commented. I commented on like the general gaming subreddit today and I got a couple comments, but none that seemed worth, you know, relating people. Turns out people like this game. What? The gist of what I got from it. But yeah, so if you have any thoughts about Mortal Kombat, whether it be 11 or Mortal Kombat in general, you want to share with us, we'd be more than happy to hear your thoughts. Maybe we'll share them here on the cast. That's right. Who do they email? They can email two player bros podcast at gmail.com. And I will probably do the same thing I did this week where I'll try to scour the internet and get some of our our favorite gamer voices. (laughs) So that's in two weeks and we'll be back next week with one of our normal newsy. Fantastic news ones that you guys love so much. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe during that episode, we'll do a a post post game segment. If we missed anything, if we forgot to talk about something we want to talk about, (laughs) we'll mention it. Or if you have any more thoughts on the last of us, something that you think we missed, you want to share, go for it. And maybe we'll talk about that next week. And I'm rambling. Um, so I don't know. And the podcast, Mike. All right. Well, this has been <laughs> Cracker One. Oh, yeah, crack. This has been. No, I'm sick of you doing this shit. <laughs> I'm sick of it. If you want to plug your goddamn Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise podcast, you will give me a free beer. That's the rule. I gave you a free Coke. I don't want your Coke. <laughs> it's not Cracking Open Cokes. <laughs> Anyway, this has been Mike and Dave with Two Player Bros. No. Thank you for joining us here on Post Game presented by Two Player Bros. (laughs) And we will uh, talk to you later. Keep on gaming. (laughs) 